What's going on, New York Giants fans? AGP back again, NFL fans as well. Anyone who is watching this, welcome to the channel. Um, another podcast episode today. This one's going to be ideal New York Giants offseason. Now, this is mixed in with a little bit of bias, with a little bit of reality, more reality, because I'm using cap situations. I'm not signing Kenny Galladay and Shaquille Barrett in the same free agency. That's not going to happen. Plus, Shaquille Barrett got an extension from Tampa Bay, unfortunately, so... Obviously, he's off the market for the New York Giants. Um, but obviously, this is going to be ideal. This is going to be, you know, my bias a little bit, as I just mentioned. But I had fun doing this. I'm going to put it out there that I'm not a contract expert. I'm just trying to make it creative a little bit. This is not necessarily what's going to happen. I don't have sources. Nobody really has sources unless you're Dave Gettleman's grandson. I mean, let's just put it that way. And I don't think Dave Gettleman would even tell his grandson you know, what is happening in the Giants organization. It would be kind of weird. But anyway, um, we'll get to it in a minute. I just want to shout something out. Guys, go check out the latest episode of the Boys in the Big Apple podcast. Um, obviously streaming the Knicks and the Nets game. And also, I bring up something on there that I will bring up on here for guys that uh, don't watch it or just don't have the time to listen to it or whatever. I will be starting a collaboration with Sports Pub Network, I think they're called. They're based in Florida. Uh, Christian, I had a phone call with him on Monday. We're going to try to get this thing set up where it's some of the related sports books and, you know, betting and stuff like that. Obviously, I have to watch on YouTube how I advertise it because content creators like Chisel Adonis and Urinating Tree kept being notified by YouTube that they're supposedly promoting gambling to children. So um, I have to be careful in the ways I advertise that. Um, also I'm going to be advertising it on Instagram regularly and Twitter regularly because I have more of a following on there than I do Instagram. So without further ado, let's get into the ideal New York Giants offseason. Keep it in mind, this is not just real. This is also my creativity as well. So like most offseasons, NFL teams usually cut a couple of players, whether it be depth players, whether it be starters, because of their cap hit for the next season, and that is in terms of saving money. So some of these are realistic. Some of these, you know, may not be realistic, but who cares at this point? This is my ideal offseason, my creativity. So for the cap casualties, let's start off with Spencer Pulley. Giants have Jonathan Harrison waiting in the wings as the backup center. Nick Gates is the center, and, you know, they have the choice to move Nick Gates to guard and Jonathan Harrison to center if they want to, but I don't think that's going to happen because... Um, they might have faith in Shane Lemieux. They might have faith in Will Hernandez, even though I don't think they do. Um, but Spencer Pulley, nice knowing you, buddy. Good luck somewhere else as probably a depth piece. $2.75 million saved in cap. Riley Dixon, he had a good 2018, 2019. He was good, but 2020 just wasn't his season, at least towards the end, where the punt coverage unit was bad, the punting was bad. You know, it wasn't really ideal for the Giants. And I think they could get a younger punter or a better punter in free agency. So there, they save about $2.67 million in cap. Uh, Ryan Lewis, Isaac Yadam, Sam Beal, and Quincy Wilson, I'm not necessarily rebuilding. The cornerback core, I'm not, you know, ripping it down. This isn't a dumpster fire or anything else. But those guys don't really have a meaning to the team. They're just depth guys, and there's going to be a lot of undrafted free agents. There's going to be a lot of, you know, low-risk cornerbacks and free agency. There's going to be a lot of those tryout guys for preseason. So Quincy Wilson, uh, Sam Beal, who hasn't been a part of this roster 
since the Shermer era. He opted out last year, which was his decision once again. But even in the year before, you know, how many games was he injured or something like that? Isaac Yadam, just a depth piece, weak tackler. Ryan Lewis, the same thing. And it's not because, you know, oh, you hate these guys. No, these are depth guys, and you could find them very easily in free agency or the back end of the draft or maybe even in undrafted free agency. Kevin Zeidler, you know, you save $12 million there. A lot of Giants fans were giving the ultimatum of, oh, you guys cut Kevin Zeidler, but you, didn't, but you know, but you know, you kept Nate Solder. See, the thing with that is that's not necessarily the smartest thing to say because there's actually stuff that goes into it, and I'm going to actually point it out once we do the restructuring. Hint, hint, Nate Solder's in there. Um, but for the next one, David Mayo and Golden Tate save him $8 million combined. With Kevin Zeitler, though, you could find a guard in free agency just to back up Shane Lemieux and uh, Will Hernandez at first. If you don't want to start Lemieux right away, there's guys like Matt Filer out there. There's guys like Austin uh, Ryder out there. There's guys like Austin Blythe out there who are guards and centers. You know, they could switch in and out. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying Kevin Zeitler's not good and he's not better than those guys. But when you got to save money, you got to save money. And Kevin Zeitler didn't necessarily have the greatest season last year. He had a decent season, but in terms of Kevin Zeitler's play from his whole career, that wasn't necessarily fitting into how he's played his whole career. It kind of took a, uh, he kind of regressed, lack of better words. RJ McIntosh, now I really want to grow to like this guy. And, you know, it's nothing to personally do with him. I just don't think that the Giants are going to be patient with him and his development and actually use him like Pat Shermer and all those other guys used him from that regime. So I think they're going to cut him, save the 920K, or at least, you know, if it's not now, it's going to be at the end of the preseason because they didn't activate him all season last year. I mean, he stayed with them during training camp. He stayed with them during the preseason, or was supposed to be the preseason. But, you know, he stayed on the roster, was not activated for a single game, didn't even get injured. So they just, you know, kept him as a healthy scratch for 16 games, basically pulled a Wayne Goldman for the rest of the season, or at least, you know, all the season. And Quincy Wilson, I explained before. So next up, obviously, is the restructuring and the re-signing of certain Giants back to the squad. So next up is the player restructures and the re-signings. I know a lot of Giants content creators are going to come after me for this one. If they're watching because of the whole, you know, Leonard Williams $20 million a year thing. So I'll explain that, but I'll get into Solder first. When I was talking about the ultimatum between Kevin Zeitler and, you know, Nate Solder, that's a very complicated situation in a sense. And I'm not defending Dave Gettleman because he ultimately made the trade for Zeitler and he ultimately signed Nate Solder to that big contract. So he has fault in this, but in terms of restructuring, you know, there's no win about it in terms of losing a good lineman, whatever. So let's just go into the ultimatum because Kevin Zeitler... Cutting him would have $2 million in dead cap with $12 million saved. So obviously the Giants did that in real life and they got $12 million saved. So you look at Nate Solder. You would have had $10 million go to the dead cap and $6 million go to the savings, which doesn't mean much because you get more in dead cap than you do actually in savings. So it doesn't make sense, and for the Giant fans that are not educated about that, I suggest you educate yourselves. I mean, I know that Nate Solder hasn't been the most active in terms of physicality and conditioning in the last year, but once he gets back up again, he could be a good swing tackle or a decent swing tackle, and the Giants don't have to go into free agency and select somebody like Joe Haig. But here, $6 million is definitely worth his while because he has absolutely no 
leverage during negotiations. So $6 million there, $10 million saved by the Giants. That goes directly to the cap. Resignings, Leonard Williams. Now let me explain this one because a lot of giant content creators like The Hub and, and a lot of these other guys... And I'm not calling them out or anything. I'm just going to, you know, re-quote what they said. They don't want to pay Leonard Williams $20 million a year. And I partially have that opinion. But in this ideal situation, I think it's ideal. Why do I think it's ideal? Because he is a playmaker on this defense. Though there were times he definitely disappeared, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. But when he's as big of a role player on your defense with Patrick Graham as he is or was last year, you want to keep him. And listen, with all due respect to Dalvin Tomlinson, I would love to keep him. Love to keep him in any way possible. I wish we could keep the two. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would wish we would keep the two. Does Dalvin Tomlinson coming back really put the Giants in a tough spot getting a replacement for Leonard Williams? Yes. Yes, because it takes how many years? If you draft a defensive tackle in the first round, the second round, the third round, it's going to take a couple of years for that defensive tackle to be what Leonard Williams was supposed to be or was on this defense. No disrespect to Christian Barnamore or Ali McNeil or any of those other guys, Jay Tufeli. No disrespect, but it's going to take a while. And I think the way the Giants are moving, they would like to keep continuity. So therefore, Leonard Williams, he gets that much money. But in a sense, for all the Giant content creators and the fans don't want to pay him, I don't think in this ideal situation that the Giants will be getting to that 2023 year. I think they may recognize, depending on his production in this ideal situation, that you know he may not be worth $23 million a year and they might trade him they might cut him they might restructure so obviously that's that Colt McCoy in terms of continuity would be coming back in this ideal situation because you know before I expressed so many times I want Tyrod Taylor and all these other guys but when going to know the cap situation and how much the Giants took a dip in terms of you know year to year you know the Giants don't have that much money so keep continuity, Cole McCoy, backup, career backup, $2 million on a one-year contract, gets to help out Daniel Jones a little more. Hopefully Jason Garrett progresses as an offensive coordinator, even though he hasn't done that in how many years before 2020, but 2020 was, you know, a, that's a different topic, guys. I'm sorry for going off the tracks here. But next up is going to be free agency. You'll see what that's going to look like, and it's going to be very interesting. Actually, but first... Let's go to this one trade that I have the Giants making in this ideal situation. So the New York Giants finally do it. This is not ideal in real life as much as Giant fans hate to admit it as myself being a Giant fan, but the Giants won't be trading Evan Ingram. However, this ideal situation, they do. Giants trade Evan Ingram, tight end, save about $6 million in cap to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for the 79th overall pick. Again, you want to complain that, you know, it would be a fourth or a fifth rounder. In this situation, they're going to give up a third rounder. This is mine. This is my creativity. You have a problem with it, go make your own video. But at the same time, you know, if you're a supporter of my channel, you know, uh, c comment what you think the pick would actually be. But anyway, Giants trade Evan Ingram. The reason why I see the Cardinals as fit, also another fit would probably be the Jaguars, is, you know, I think the Cardinals are a couple missing pieces away on defense, but I think an extra weapon would definitely make them a very scary offense. I mean, they're pretty scary with Kyler Murray running right now, and with whoever they get at running back, also with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Andy Isabella at the wide receiver position. But definitely, if you add a tight end in there, or at least a weapon in there like Evan Ingram, you'll definitely have some production. Right now, their tight end position isn't very good. 
uh, Max Williams and I think Farrell Cooper or Farrell something, if I'm getting the mistake wrong, if I'm getting the name wrong, excuse me, but they don't have that much tight end depth and they don't have any real weapons at tight end. At least from what I know, a lot of Cardinals fans want Evan Ingram and I think the Cardinals will definitely take him for a third round pick, you know. Um, probably would have to spend most of free agency and the draft on defense. But anyway, they're a couple of steps away, and the Giants definitely give up Evan Ingram here. That means they would go into free agency or the draft looking for another tight end. Would it be a playmaking tight end? Would it be just a blocking tight end? We'll see what happens in this ideal situation. But the Giants gain a pick out of it, and I like it. I like it because I came up with it, and I think it's ideal. Okay, so let me make some, you know, just corrections here. Um, one of these guys is not a free agent anymore. That is Michael Davis, unfortunately, because I really liked him. I'll get into his stats and stuff in a minute. Obviously, I'll go over Hassan Riddick first. Free agency, that is the wrong number. Um, obviously, just didn't say, hey, let me do this, let me do that. You know, I actually did the cap numbers, and I actually made sure how many times I calculated it correctly. So the cap number is actually supposed to be 21297657 So let's start off with the first Free agent signed that the New York Giants make. Hassan Reddick, four years, $51 million. Judon had something close to it with the New England Patriots, but this was done even before Judon actually had a deal with the New England Patriots. But I think it's pretty fair. $7.5 million in his first year, in his second year, $12.5. In his third year, $14.5. And if he shows he's worth it, $16.5 in 2024. You know, if he's worth it, he gets more of an extension. Um,. But Hassan Riddick and Corey Davis, I'll give you guys my opinion on those two players. I kind of had to set aside some bias for this because I think Hassan Riddick, A, would have been, you know, would be a cheaper option for the Giants. You know, I'm not going to say that he's going to be $4 million like Kyler Frackroll, but he's not going to be up there like Yannick Ngakwe and Shaq Barrett would have been if they hit the free agent market, or at least if Barrett would because he got re-signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Hassan Riddick uh, and Corey Davis, let me get to that. And I'm pretty weary and pretty, you know, I'm just not sure because the reason why I'm not sure about those guys is because obviously they had their option declined. And then when they had their option declined in 2020, they both showed out. So is it only when they're last year on the team? Is it only in a certain spot? Is it only in a certain situation? That's what I'm scared of with with Hassan Riddick. Uh, Corey Davis, he obviously went to the Jets in an unexpected move in my opinion. Uh, apparently Kenny Galladay was one of the teams apparently Jets were interested in Kenny Galladay but I guess that doesn't matter right now um you know maybe they could still sign him but I don't think so but anyway Hassan Riddick four years 51 million dollars Giants do need some edge help whether it be you know on the defensive line or at linebacker um but in terms of Hassan Riddick he helps out the core of Carter O'Shane Zimenez, those two guys are coming off season-ending injuries. So I think Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman go out there and say, hey, listen, we need edge help and we need insurance. Um, so Hassan Ray will probably start, you know, not Carter, not Zimenez yet, but we'll see what happens during the season if, you know, the Giants actually sign a linebacker to play the edge and how much time those two other guys would play. But anyway, um, he would definitely be the number one of those guys. And in that situation, Kyler Frackle's not coming back as I predicted or as at least I said in the free agent, you know, period of this ideal offseason. Now, Michael Davis. Now, unfortunately, he actually went back to the Chargers, which I'm very disappointed in. But the Giants were expected to show some interest in him. They're also interested in Akella Witherspoon and another corner. I don't remember the name of that corner. 
Uh, but cornerback Michael Davis, I've been fascinated with him ever since, you know, I started looking at free agents. And, you know, the names that come up, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, um, some of the other cornerbacks on the market, the high-paid corners, the older corners. Jason McCourty, that was the other corner that was actually going to reference. Um, and what Jordan Renan said, he said, you know, there's supposed to be interest in these three corners. Davis is one of them. Uh, Witherspoon is another. Jason McCourty is another. But anyway, Davis, pretty impressive stats, and he's very underrated. Chargers got him back three years, $18 million. I would have done here $3 million 2021, $6 million 2022, $9 million 2023 in terms of Michael Davis. And, you know, it's. And when I look at cornerback position, whether it be the draft, whether it's free agency, number one, whether it's in the slot, which is, you know, there's going to be small corners in the slot, whether it's on the outside, the left or outside to the right. I don't want a short corner. Michael Davis is 6'2". That's good for me. And I want a physical corner. Because if you have James Bradbury who had like 20 pass breakups last year, I want a guy on the opposite side who replicates the same physicality. Michael Davis, he had like 14 pass deflections last year. And he only gave up 50 yards only three times. As the second corner, Casey Hayward was the first corner. And he got a pick six off Tom Brady. But... This was one of my ideal options at corner. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen in real life. Matt Filer, I really like him, and I was choosing between him, Austin Ryder, and Austin Blythe. Ryder, he's okay. He's not the best guard out there. Austin Blythe, he's on and off. 2019, 2017 was bad years, but his good years were at center in 2020 and at right guard in 2018. Um, so that kind of veered me away from him. In terms of Matt Filer, he's played with a bunch of experienced guys on the offensive line. He's been with the Steelers or was with the Steelers for a very long time, but I think he'll hit the free agent market. And if the Giants sign him to a $3.5 million contract and a one-year deal, this guy plays both right tackle and left guard. If you can put him at right guard or at least left guard until Shane Lemieux fully develops or whatever they want to do or just put Filer as a backup, that's an ideal situation for the New York Giants. I definitely would definitely agree with that. And even if you draft somebody like Robert Hainsey or Aaron Banks or Quinn Miners in the later rounds, if you want to put them in, but they're not necessarily ready yet, Filer's there. So, you know, go for the taking. And running back Alfred Morris. Now, I actually kind of procrastinated on the backup running back subject, but I'm like, you know what? Deion Lewis fumbled way too many times last year, and they didn't use him properly because he was supposed to be a receiving back but never really caught any passes on third down and, like, one out of the backfield. I mean, he was there. That kind of showed that the Giants were going to pass, but they never actually threw it to him or barely threw it to him. So Alfred Morris, he's kind of your um, up-the-middle runner. He's not your home run hitter like Saquon Barkley is, but he did well for the Giants last season. I'm not going to say, oh, he was horrible, oh, you need to trade him. No. Guy's, what, 30 years old, something like that, backup running back, and something I really believe in terms of running back cores. Here's what I think you need. And in terms of the Giants, now, every team doesn't have this. But in terms of the Giants, Saquon Barkley, he's your home run hitter. Alfred Morris, he is your backup running back. You know, when Saquon needs a rest, he goes in there. And then you need somebody like a Wayne Gallman or a rookie running back. And, you know, we'll get to that in the draft, which is the next subject. But guys like that, I think that's a perfect trio in terms of running backs. Obviously, you'll still have Elijah Penny. But in terms of backup running back, a young running back, and also Saquon Barkley, I think this running back duo is completely finished in terms of, you know, additions. I think they're good. So next up, and the final subject, is the NFL Draft. 
Giants right now have, I think, six picks, seven picks, something like that. I don't think they have a fifth or the seventh rounder. They do have two six as of right now, but obviously those numbers aren't correct. And just to mind you before we go to that section, I did this with Draft Network, so it's not necessarily going to be accurate. I was going to do it with Pro Football Network, but they were just, you know, they were out of their minds in terms of randomness. They had Jalen Waddle going at three. They had uh, Jalen Waddle going at two at once. I'm like, you know what? I'm done with Pro Football Network. Let me go to Draft Network. They're at least a little more accurate. So in terms of that, I'm going to go to the NFL draft right now, and you'll see who I pick in certain spots with the New York Giants picks at 11, 42, and more. We are finally here, the NFL draft. Now, I'm going to basically go through every pick. You guys obviously see who I picked here. Um, you guys grade my draft. Tell me what you think of this whole offseason in the comments below when this premieres or when this comes out. Um, be sure to like comment and subscribe but obviously let's get to the draft part which is the final section here Rashad Bateman at 11 um I've come to the conclusion at different points and this may or may not happen that some of the three guys or the two of the three guys the big three whatever you know might go in the top 10 and may not be there for the Giants at 11 and in this certain mock draft that I did Rashad Bateman was the only wide receiver worth taking at 11 I'm not taking Kadarius Tony. I'm not taking Terrace Marshall there I'm not taking Rondale Moore there. That's not happening. Waddle was gone. Uh, Devonta Smith was gone. Jamar Chase was gone. So Rashad Bateman, a vertical receiver. The only issue I would probably take to this pick is the fact that Jason Garrett, A, is not very creative in vertical uh, concepts downfield, and Rashad Bateman is that. He's very good with vertical passes downfield. You take the pressure off Darius Slayton and Rashad Bateman, he's a playmaker. He's not just a slot receiver. So for this 40-second... So for the 42nd pick, the Giants select Pat Fryermuth, the tight end out of Penn State. I've really been impressed from what I've seen on the tape from Pat Fryermuth. I think that he is baby Gronk. A lot of people share that same opinion with me. I'm not the guy who came up with that opinion. But in terms of selecting Fryermuth at 42, it doesn't seem that realistic because a team like the Jaguars might take him at 33 or a team earlier than the Giants might take him. Maybe in late, maybe a late first round team might take him. But in terms of this mock draft, this is the ideal mock draft. Obviously, I did it with Draft Network, but the Giants take Frymouth. They get a tight end that can block and catch. Wow, we haven't seen one like that in how many years? So, go to 76 overall. Obviously, the 79th overall was from the Arizona Cardinals trade, but 76, the Giants select Chaz Surratt, UNC. He's a good linebacker. He lost some of his stock at the Senior Bowl. In terms of Chaz Surratt, though, why select the linebacker there? Good value, A. And B... You know, with Chaz Surratt, he's not going to be on the field every down. And, you know, you could you could make the argument, oh, they have Tay Crowder, he's not on the field every down. But, you know, when you want to pair somebody next to Blake Martinez, it should be in passing situations because Martinez is not going to cover. You know, he's not good at that. Tay Crowder, he's got to work on that. But Chaz Surratt, he's good at that in college. We'll see how he makes it in the NFL. So with the 79th pick, the Giants select Aline McNeil, defensive tackle, NC State. Replacement for Dalvin Tomlinson, he obviously has some stuff to work on in terms of uh, some other stuff when it comes to pass rushing, but obviously Dalvin Tomlinson was not that guy coming out of college. He was selected in the second round. I'm not making player comps or anything like that, but I think McNeil could grow into a good replacement for Dalvin Tomlinson, and you put him on the defensive line next to Lawrence and Williams, that line is going to explode in the future. You know, Hopefully in the future, teams around the NFL will be scared of our defensive line like they're scared of how many other defensive lines across the NFL so with the 116th pick the Giants select Kenneth Gainwell running back out of Memphis as I mentioned before 
I like Saquon Barkley. I like Alfred Morris as a backup running back. And also, I like a young running back, whether it be Wayne Gallman or somebody else. But I don't see Wayne Gallman coming back, unfortunately. Kenneth Gainwell is his replacement running back out of Memphis. So for the next pick, the Giants select uh, Jake Curhan, offensive guard out of California with a 196 pick. And I haven't done much scouting on Jake Curhan. I must be honest. There, it was not necessarily a blind pick, but it, there, he seemed like good value. I've done very little scouting, as I mentioned. But he could be a guy that's like a rotational backup guard. that kind of throw him in there, you know, basically that. I would have selected Robert Hainsey or Aaron Banks or Quinn Miners, but they were not at the spots like the third, the fourth round. So Jake Curran kind of goes in there, competes with Will Hernandez for the right guard spot or competes with Shane Lemieux for left guard. I don't know. We'll see how that plays out in an ideal offseason, ideal situation. Um, But in terms of Curran, 196th pick. And finally, uh, a lot of people will probably get mad at me for this in certain situations, or this may not seem ideal to them, but with the 199th pick, the New York Giants select Drew Crisman, punter out of Ohio State. I haven't done much scouting on him because I'm not a special team scout, but at the same time, they need a punter. He's the best punter in the draft as of right now, and he had like 44 or 45 per average punt. Obviously, two different levels of punting from the college level to the NFL level, but the Giants need a punter. I really wouldn't trust an undrafted free agent, but then again, that's what most punters are. And in free agency, one might cost more than another. So obviously, that is there. And that is pretty much it for this episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you guys for sticking around. 133 subscribers, only so many from 200 away. Um, It seems like a lot, but obviously on YouTube, depending on how fast you grow, it's only a little. I enjoy... Speaking with guys in the comments section when this premieres, I enjoy just talking to the guys, you know, I enjoy the viewers. I enjoy the engagement, even if it's like one person commenting every video. I enjoy it at all. I enjoy it every time. Um, Obviously, guys, got the podcast on Monday, the live show, the podcast today, podcast on Friday. Tell me, guys, what you think of the whole ideal offseason for the New York Giants. Tell me what you guys don't like. Tell me, guys, what you like. I know there's different opinions in terms of prospects, in terms of free agents. Anyway, thank you guys. I'm going to be doing another Yankees episode on Friday. Hopefully at some point this green screen and the computer connect, but I don't see that happening for at least another week and a half. But anyway, thank you guys, and we will see you on Friday.